Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and a warm welcome from Barangaroo Studios. This is The Call 10 Stocks, picked by you, two experts, one hour. And I'm Daniela Okuye. So our two experts on today's show here for the full hour, I have Daniel Ortizi from Lincoln Indicators. Daniel, thank you so much for joining us, dare I say, again. <laughs> <laughs> and Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. Michael, as always, a pleasure to have thank you yeah. in here. Okay, let's move on because uh, we have a great selection of stocks for you today. And in the first five stocks, we have Fortescue Metals, Fiducian Group, a Southern Cross Electrical Engineering, 4D Medical, and Paladin. Now, we have done something a little bit different today. We have two stocks of the day because we could not decide which way to go. So the first of the two stocks is Origin Energy, and we have an update on the take over saga. Its shares are down after it rejected the Plan B proposal lobbed by its bidders, the Brookfield-led consortium, as a last-ditched attempt to buy the company. And Origin's board said that the revised proposal was incomplete and highly conditional. Okay, let's have a check-in. So, Daniel, Origin Energy, it has been a saga, Mm. and uh, it'll be interesting to see how this reflects on Australia as the potential for takeovers. Absolutely. I think probably from, you know, at least a shareholder registry perspective, when you have a, a large activist investor and to Oz Super, you know, the amount they've invested in Origin, it's not even material to their assets under management. So, you know, that they clearly have a lot of power there. I think overall, like you said, Danielle, it actually does have a bit of a, a reflection on the investment base in Australia, though historically take away, uh, takeovers from international players have happened pretty seamlessly um, on the market. So I, I think it's probably been one of the most interesting transactions to follow. Certainly it's been a long time in the making. I'm sure the advisors are happy about that. Um, look, our, our view of the company, you know, we've actually sat on the sidelines for, for most of this time. And I, had, I think we had a great overview on it on the call, the, the last episode I was on with Gorav. But there's certainly an interesting valuation play in Origin emerging. I think there's genuinely good reasons to separate the energy markets and the and the APLNG assets. Um, and obviously the, 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 you know, the jack in the box, which no one really knows much about is Octopus Energy. So from, from a, some of the parts perspective, I, I think it's actually quite interesting post all the, the ongoings with the deal in regards to, you know, what price mm. the stock will trade at, what valuation it will be, et cetera. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, non long term investors sitting in this one, perhaps for arbitrage, which will be coming out. So I'd be watching it quite closely. If you're in the stock, um, you know, at this point, you're, you're probably still happy to hold. Um, but I, I think there's a really great opportunity for people to watch this one and see what happens 
if the if the takeover doesn't go through. Yeah, so basically you're talking about potential some of the parts here mm-hmm. being in excess of what the valuation may move to. So a buy on weakness? Um, or just watch my, it. My at view's this always stage. been waiting the sideline because I know it's a very different type of acquisition, but if we look what happened with Liontown when that deal failed, it's it's more than halved. Yeah. Now that's a very different circumstance, but uh, I would suspect that you know, a lot of people are going to be exiting Origin you know, if, if, if the deal is finally done and dusted and it doesn't go through. So I, I would be waiting on the sidelines. Buy on weakness, probably if you have a great understanding of the clarity and the strategy going forward, because okay. it's going to be costly to separate that business. You yeah. know, it's not it's not as straightforward as you think. Tax implications and, and all the rest of it, debt implications. So I, I'd be waiting on the sideline, but keep a firm eye on it. Okay. Michael, what do you think? Um, yeah, pretty much similar thoughts. I mean, generally with these takeover offers, I'd prefer just to sell the stock because when you think about the risk reward, maybe you can get a little bit bit of a higher price, but you know, the risk is that if it doesn't go through, the shares fall back to where they started with, um, you know, Daniel mentioned Liontown and you know, Ramsey Healthcare. There's been so many out there um, where you're just better off taking, um, taking it off the table. This one's a bit unique in that it's been dragging on for a year uh, and it's basically reached a point where it's trading pretty much what it's worth. So even if it was pulled, yeah, I don't. It, you know, it's highly unlikely it will drop that much. If anything, it might even get a bit of an uplift because of, um, as Daniel mentioned, you can break up the business. So, look, it's not one I've. You know, I'm generally not interested in a business like like Origin. So I haven't been following, and I don't have clients in it. But I think if you were sort of interested in seeing it through, I think at this point it would be a hold. Um, I wouldn't be buying it either. I just you know, don't understand it to the, yeah. you know, to the finite detail. And I think generally when you've got a share market that's down at these levels and there'll be other opportunities to make money, I guess, in a, dare I say, an easier way than, than sticking it out with, with Origin. But look, if you've got it, you understand it, yeah, stick with it because it's not, um, I don't think there's much downside risk from here. Fair enough. And uh, let's move to the second stock of the day, which is Iris. And they have upgraded guidance and posted its strategy update today. So transformation accelerated delivering early benefits. And uh, basically there's been an upgrade in terms of the revenue growth and the cost base is more favorable and they've had an uplift in consumer sentiment. They're citing innovation is underway and the UK strategy is further evolved as well as non-core UK assets are being sold to retire debt. So as I mentioned that guidance has been upgraded at the EBITDA level for full year 23 to between 123 and 128 million dollars versus previous expectations of 118 million dollars to 122 million dollars. Now Daniel this really has been uh, quite a disappointing stocks for lots of investors. Uh, Do you think they're making some right moves strategically at the moment? Yeah, I think the investment case for Iris in recent years has always been about the core business in Australia. And I'm not sure if you'd say the product is, is really good. We use the product for our managed funds and it, it gives us a few headaches at the times. But, um, you know, it's something that does have a really strong market position and definitely pricing power. But, you know, there's been so many headaches in the international assets, write downs, impairments, and, and they've used debt to acquire those assets, which is always troublesome. So, you know, from our point of view, based on the update today, it's the right steps, but there still is a significant amount of net debt in the business. And no matter what, you know, they're talking about moderating cost pressures now, but we know that whether it's the employee base or it's other IT costs, there's still is significant inflationary pressures just industry wide. So I'm probably a little bit more skeptical on the media to longer term of that. I think 
there still will be pressures in that cost base, but certainly making the right moves. Um, and, and you know, we joke about these companies all the time in our team, we, we say these bombed out stories, someone's got to make a lot of money, but we just don't know if it's on the long or the short side. So I, I think we're happy just to, to be on the sidelines again. If I was in the stock now, I, I don't think, you know, you'd be selling into strength, for example. I think you'd be happy with today's update, but the, for, for a buy, the, I've got to see more from the company at this point. Fair enough. And Michael, what do you think of Iris? Um, yes, yeah, similar thoughts again. Um, yeah, it's up until today. I mean, it has been in a, a downgrade cycle. It's you know, lost half of its share price over the past couple of years. Um, yeah, I think I was last on the show a couple of weeks ago and we looked at Iris and my thoughts then were, it looks like it can go up a little bit in the short term and yeah. that'd be a chance to sell. Do I still think that based on today's announcement? Well, I mean, it's nice that they've upgraded guidance. I mean, that's a, a, welcome, a welcome change. I'd probably hold on to it a bit longer I'd still be looking to sell it a bit, bit higher up if I can get a higher price um, for the, the same reasons. I mean, you speak to anyone that, that uses Iris and they do so begrudgingly. Um, so, <laughs> it's not a good sign, is it? <laughs> well, I mean, there is no alternative. So <laughs> Yeah, look, that's, that's the reality. And, uh, you know, they've done well because they've taken costs out. Well, maybe this is the company that needs to be investing in the product. So if they're <laughs> stripping out costs, I mean, what are we... What are we left with from here in terms of yeah. in terms of the product? So, it makes me wary that, that they're going to okay. gain a lot of market share from here. Um, yeah, look, I think it's still a bit too hard to turn this to call this the big turnaround. Yeah. So a bit more upside in the short term. I'd be happy to jump out and move on to something else. Fair enough. Okay, now let's get into our first stock of the day, which is picked by Craig, and it is a Fortescue Metals ticker code FMG. Now, Daniel, this year it's really taken everybody by surprise. It being the iron ore mm. price, and a little birdie told me that part of the reason has to do with the fact that Europe is not selling. Uh, scrap at the moment to, um, you know, over to China. So Fortescue, you know, higher cost producer, mm. they're in the sweet spot, I guess. Yeah, look, I think if you're bullish iron ore, you probably want to get that direct exposure at the moment because prices are so strong. But from my point of view, I, I'm just baffled by the strength in the iron ore price. We look at what's going on in the Chinese property market. And the funny thing is, and this is always, a you know, an ongoing kind of a, a discussion in finance, but when things don't go the way people expect that they do, there's always a rationale to justify it. You know, uh, iron ore prices at 130, well, it must be for X, Y, and Z reason. I think probably comes down to the fact that Brazil still has been quite poor from the supply side yeah. coming from Vale. It also comes from the fact that, you know, BHP, Rio, Fortescue, really the last five years, they, you know, they haven't grown supply above probably what nominal rates, one or 2% per annum. So. There's been slight investment. My view is that if you look at what the companies are guiding to, probably the next five years, we're gonna have more significant assets come online. Will that be coinciding with a, with a, with a uh, falling iron ore price? My view is it is. Uh, a lot of people like Fortescue for the dividend. Um, you know, I think my views on, on dividend stocks, uh, uh, commodity players as dividend stocks is, is known, I'm, I'm more against it. But um, there's other factors going on at Fortescue. We have the management changes, uh, it has been a real significant issue. We have had the further investment. I think we're approaching almost a billion dollars annually 
between OPEX and CAPEX um, in, the, in the renewable energy mm. technologies. And you know, as a shareholder, you're just not sure what type of return profile you're gonna get from that. There's been talks and a recent cancellation um, and discussion for a urea plant in WA. So there's just so much going on. Fortescue is a lower grade producer as well. So they're benefiting from the fact that steel prices in China have been mm. very subdued and margins are thin. So what are the steel mills doing? They're buying the cheapest pro uh, product that they can, which is the lowest grade. So they're, they're benefiting I think abnormally from a few different areas, I'd, I'd be very happy to sell Fortescue almost at record highs. Um, and, that's, and that's something I'd probably be comfortable doing even, even today. Fair enough. Do you have a, a differing view, Michael? Yeah, yeah, I've got a different view on Fortescue. I mean, I've, um, I've talked about it on this, uh, on Ausbiz you know, quite a few times over the last several months. I've really liked um, the way it's been trading, I think. You know, you've, you've got this stock that all year has been trading this range between about $19, $23. All the analyst targets were back near sort of $16 on average all year. Um, everyone's been negative iron ore, but clearly the way Fortescue was trading, yeah, there were buyers of Fortescue. So, yeah, I think all the analysts have clearly got it wrong with iron ore, as, as we've seen. Um, they've got it wrong with Fortescue. We've spoken about the upside breakthrough 23 should lead to quite a swift move um, and I don't think that move is over. So look in the short term it's looking a bit bit overbought. So we've got some clients that have traded out. Um, I've got some of my longer term holders still holding it uh, and I'd be looking to buy Fortescue closer to 24 again. Um, I think next year will be, will be a very good year for it. So um, clearly we haven't seen the uplift in the Chinese economy that we thought there would be several months ago. We got that wrong, but you know, I think that can's just been kicked down the road a bit longer. So, yeah, their economy will grow. Um, the iron ore price has been quite robust, um, and slowly you would have noticed yourself that over the past several weeks, the analyst targets in Fortescue have slowly crept up. <laughs> funny how that um, happens. Yeah, isn't funny it? how that follows the share price. So look, it's it's averaging, I think, closer to seventeen dollars now. But you know, all the major brokers either have it as a neutral or a sell. Yeah. So as they start to turn that into buys, when they admit that- At the wrong that, time that in that, the cycle. Yeah, then that'll, <laughs> I mean, that will bring in more buying as well. So, you know, ultimately Fortescue, I could see it spiking up to the high 20s next Fair year. Fair enough, okay. So I, I will say just on Michael's point, as an analyst, you can only be wrong for so long before you have to succumb to that pressure. And so th there's definitely a bit of a bit of that coming through for the stock in the yes, short term. As an ex-analyst, I feel I'm allowed to make that comment. <laughs> Been there, done that, got that T-shirt. Okay, <laughs> let's move on to Fiducian Group, ticker code FID, the second stock picked by Aravi. Okay, Daniel, uh, what about this one? So Fiducian, it's one of the probably um, least followed companies. Yeah. Um, that we've seen in, in the space, you know, they, they do fund, funds management, uh, mostly though advisory um, and and financial advice, and they franchise and have their own um, have their own advisors in house. It, it's actually been a business where a lot of small cap investors have followed it for a long time because they've had excellent financial returns. When you look at earnings per share growth uh, and all the metrics that you like to follow, margins, return on equity, they, they, they've actually been. Um, you know, quite outstanding for at least about 10 years now and you know, huge founder-led management business with Indy Singh. I've, I've attended a few of his presentations to the financial results and think you know, he has a really solid understanding of the business of the industry. Uh, and certainly when you talk about you know, their focus on things like compliance, 
you know, they have the ability to, to certainly be managing these expectations and managing their clients to a much greater extent than the incumbents do in my, in my point of view. Because the reason is they have a much more defined focus mm -hmm. and they have less distractions in the business. So I actually think it's a, it's a pretty quality operation. Obviously the last few years for anyone in the space uh, and more particularly within fund management or fiducians more in fund of funds management. So they invest in other pooled funds and attract a fee on that, you know, it's been difficult to grow because people are reluctant to put further money in and market movements haven't been favorable. So I think you're actually going to, the, the current valuation is pretty attractive. I, I'd give it a spec buy. It's probably a little bit too small for us at Lincoln and Stock Doctor. The, the liquidity is about $20,000, $30,000 a day. So mm. for a retail investor, it's sufficient. Yeah. Um, but for us, it's, it's probably yeah. more we'd be, we'd be waiting. But for a retail investor, I'd actually give this a spec buy. Mm, interesting. Uh, Michael, what do you mm. think of it? Um, yeah, look, Daniel covered it really well. I mean, um, yeah, their earnings clearly recently haven't been doing too well. I mean, clearly it's just a reflection of, of the broader market and, you know, we could see the share price peaked when the market peaked and ever since the market's become difficult, yeah. the share price has come back. But um, I guess I, I agree with all the points, but my end conclusion would be because of the, the liquidity, mm -hmm. um, I'd, I'd say it's a no because of the, yeah, yeah it's just, just too hard to... Getting be in getting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Okay, let's move on to the third stock, which is a Southern Cross Electrical Engineering, picked by Andrew. And Andrew has asked the bottom left to top right stock paying a solid dividend with increasing a growth potential if you go by recently awarded contracts. Take profits or keep riding this winner? Well, I love a specific question. <laughs> so, Daniel. What should he do? Yeah, I haven't looked at Southern Cross uh, in, in a long time. And the last time I looked at it, I think it was heavily exposed to resources, WA based. Mm. Uh, that's where the roots were. And, you know, they've been operating, I think, since the 80s and service all the majors, BHP, um, Ureos, and uh, I think some other and more mid-tier miners as well. So what, what I actually found when I took another look is that they've been quite acquisitive over the last few years and really expanded um, their exposure to the East Coast, specifically in infrastructure. So. You know, what I noted is that their order book at the moment is quite large, it's about 600 million, 50% of that is infrastructure. Now, typically it's lower margin um, than your resource constructions because um, it, you know, it's larger, less, uh, more competitive work. So the margins are a little bit lower, um, but to trade that off, the work should be um, more, more recurring. Um, and, they, and they've called out a, a, a large part of their revenue base now is more in maintenance work. So. Great balance sheet. I think they had 70 mil net cash. Cash flow profile looked good. Margins improved year on year. Revenue was down, but EBITDA and, and net profits were up, which for a services-based business, you, you never see. There's usually huge leverage on the other side. So I, I think this genuinely interesting business to follow. Probably valuation grounds, I, I, I think of it more so as a whole at this point. Um, I, I would disagree on the dividend side. I'd just be cautious on servicing okay. companies as dividends because as we know, they can go through periods where you know, the work dries up and things go, go the other way pretty quickly. But um, I definitely think these guys are genuinely good operators. I'd be happy to hold it, but yeah. probably not buying at these levels. Fair enough. Uh, what do you think, Michael? Um, yeah, key points. I mean, looking at sort of the way they've been growing their earnings and also notice you know, debt-free, um, they increase their margins. So unlike most yeah. businesses recently, but yeah. I mean, especially in this sector, they've been able to increase the margins. So clearly very good operators. Um, you know, when I look at the way it's trading, in terms of the trend, the volumes on the way up, etc., nothing really wrong with the way it's trading either. So, um, yeah, couldn't be buying it up here, but as a hold, um, I'd stick with the trend. Okay. 
Fair enough. Sometimes it's really hard to just hold a stock that's performed really well. <laughs> and, you know, people make so much money. It's like, you know, the classic case, isn't it, of, um, you know, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger and Apple came in at 2016 and it's just been such a winner mm. and they just haven't shifted. And exactly. of course, with hindsight, it's as clear as day. But of course, when you're living through it, not so clear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and there's been many periods where Apple is actually a consensus sell yes. amongst analysts. So yeah. it's having that conviction, it's understanding what's going on in the underlying business. And yeah. with a company like Southern Cross, you'd probably want to be cautious of those cyclical factors. Yes, of course. Um, but you know, Not comparable businesses. Not, not comparable, I wasn't saying that, exactly, but it's just but that thing that of conviction, holding. Yeah. And uh, I think people do underrate the fact that over the long term, if the business is growing, which is the most important factor. If there's earnings per share creation yes. over the long term, typically the, the share price goes up. So yeah, you make you make more money being long than you do being short. Absolutely. Okay, now the fourth stock is 4D, a medical ticker code 4DX, and this is picked by Paul. So medical scanning, I think they had, um, they won uh, a contract or they've got uh, over the line in the US, I think uh, some payments, haven't they, through Medicaid or one of the insurers or something, so, uh, Daniel? From I haven't looked at it too deeply. Um, obviously when you hear med tech and you hear imaging, <laughs> It brings a lot of positive memories and recall back, so you can get pretty favourable in these stocks. Um, uh, from what I saw, I think they had some recent yeah, FDA clearance yeah. around some of their, their hardware products, because not only are they in imaging, for, I think for lungs um, specifically, and picking up certain diseases within lungs, it's also actually they have a um, effective like a, um, a, a 3D x-ray hardware product oh, that's as well. Right. So yeah, yeah. I, I think there's been some ruling around regulation then. I think. They potentially had a partnership with Philips announced oh, recently. Okay. I'm not. I'm not too sure. Um, that might have been literally. I think yesterday I heard something come about. But certainly, when you look at these types of businesses, it's very exciting. It is pre-revenue still, so very early days. They raised 40 million recently, so they got enough cash to probably last them six months to a year. Um, overall, when when I was looking at this business, first thing that stood out to me was. Um, obviously, Dr. Andreas Foras is large shareholder in the business and he's got Sam Hubert advising him as well, for, obviously from ProMedicus. So there's, there looks like to be the right recipe of a company here. It's probably too speculative for us at this point in time. We typically don't invest in businesses which are pre-revenue, but you know, certainly you'd, you'd have your eye on this one. I'm always just conscious of these like really good story stocks mm. because you know a lot of people get that positive recall and they understand that oh, this is the next ProMedicus. It's probably... Yeah. We've had a few of those on the market already, so I'm a little bit skeptical on that. Um, but at the moment, because of those recent announcements, the cash that they've recently raised and the members of the board and what looks like to be a really good team, I think there's probably enough to maybe hold it if you're happy to be speculative. Yeah. Uh, but keep in mind that cash position will wind up quickly. So it's not something you yeah. can just hold and not worry about it. I would probably be a bit active looking in three months time. What's the what's the progress update? If there's not much going on, sell before they have to cap raise. Yes, indeed. Particularly in this higher interest rate environment. Michael, is it too speculative mm. for you? I mean, I'd I'd have a look at it. Um, you know, it, I was just obviously having a look um, before we came onto the show, and you know, in terms of the contract wins, the the FDA approval that yeah, that Phillips news was yesterday. That um, memorandum of understanding. So. Everything heading in the right direction, um, including the share price. I mean, the share price has doubled in the past few weeks. So, yeah, a lot of good volume coming into it. But I think, you know, on the back of these jumps based on news, you, you couldn't chase it mm. now. So, 
you know, looking at, a, as, as Daniel mentioned, a future potential capital raising. Um, I think as you start to get closer to those dates and when the market starts to get a little bit, bit you know, bored of it or, or, mm. or a little bit, you know, yeah. a little bit wary of what might be lying ahead, then you can get it at a, a better price. So, you know, if we look back in April, the share price went from you know, 30 cents to $1.20 and it came all the way back to 45 cents yep. before that latest announcement. It's not for the faint hearted, is it? Exactly. <laughs> so I think, you know, moves like this, um, unless it's truly transformational for a business and it will never go back there, um, they're not making money. So you'll you'll get another chance to get this. At the moment, I think it's a dollar. Mm. You know, you'll be able to get it down at, I mean, who knows? It could be yeah. 70 cents, it could be 80 cents. I mean, yeah, just, just keep it on the watch list, but I wouldn't be chasing it here. Okay, fair enough. Story stocks. Great <laughs> when interest rates are 0%, maybe not so great when they're around 5%. Okay, now let's have a look at Paladin, which is the fifth stop picked by Ben, ticker code uh, PDN. Now, of course, this has been, uranium has been one of the big themes this year, and the uranium price is back at $80 yeah. a what is the measurement that they do? A pound. A pound, that's right. Um, which we haven't seen in years, partly maybe because there's a lot of ETFs, a lot of money going into to actually get the physical mm. exposure. But Paladin's one of the better ones with uh, Hinchke? No, that's the wine. <laughs> What's the one they got coming on stream in Africa next year? Langer Heinrich. Yeah, Langer Heinrich. That's it. I should yeah. know. I've written about it enough. Hinchke wine. Thinking of wine already. Whoops. <laughs> that's a Thursday faux pas, folks. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, Sorry, Daniel. Took no, you off. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's good. You've got me thinking about some wine as well. But. As you rightly pointed out, I think every time I've been on the call, probably the last five times, has been a uranium stock. So clearly they're in favour, they're in focus by retail investors. We spoke about with Fortescue when the analysts, you can only be wrong for so long, then you have to keep raising your, your price targets. The, the, the amount of changes I've seen to the Langer Heimrich valuation from the sell side in recent months, whether it's the spot price they're putting in or they're increasing the multiple to NAV, etc. And perhaps with these large resources, you can justify expansion. So valuations can go up. But from my point of view, I think Paladin's probably, what, a $3 billion company now? Yes. And they only own 75% of the project. So I'd, yeah. I'd be happy to, I'd be a happy seller at the moment. It's, it's definitely an industry you want to keep an eye on. The thing with uranium is that it's so dense in terms of energy density. It's such a small market in physical tons. And once again, I think we spoke about it uh, last Monday with Gorad, but you, you don't need a lot of supply to come no. on to, to fuel these reactors and fuel the demand. So you know, we're seeing a lot of restarts. We'll also see a lot of expansions in, in main production hubs um, through the in-situ production methodology because it's very easy to expand. It doesn't disturb, um, you know, the doesn't disturb the surface area like an open pit mine that mm. effectively pumped um, chemicals and, and solubles down through through a through almost like a boring type and then pumped the, the solution up and then process it. So it's easy to expand. That's why long-term you, you never see uranium prices remain higher for longer. So. I'd be happy to sell it. I'd be a little bit cautious on some of these speculative names at the moment, which have had a huge run. Um, if the projects are a, li a little bit more speculative and they probably don't have the management teams, at least Paladin has a bit more, um, a little bit more of a defined team here. Yeah. It's kind of been in the industry for a long time, but still ultimately for me, I'd, I'd be happy selling it. 
but I wouldn't be surprised to see the share prices head higher either. So it just yeah, there's quite the narrative <laughs> around it at the yeah. moment, isn't there, in terms of people extrapolating out to net zero emissions? But you know, bringing on stream new nuclear plants is a very long-term prospect and mm. highly expensive, and those small modular reactors at this stage are still only just in you know development phase one in Canada I'm led to believe so yeah. Michael would you jump on the Paladin bandwagon um, look I'd, I'm, I'm positive the sector I don't think it's a bandwagon yet I think in our own little world it feels like a lot of people are talking about it but um, it's nowhere near the, the height that the lithium mm. got to so I think there's still room to move on the on the, uh, hype scale. on the hype scale, <laughs> on the hype scale for sure. Yeah, whether it's buy now, pay later, or lithium, um, there has been talk clearly because the the price of uranium has gone up. But you know, inventory levels for uranium are very low. I mean, comparable to sort of the mid two thousands, where we saw I think the price of uranium head from you know eight dollars a pound to to over a hundred dollars a pound, and obviously the Paladin share price you know, had a rocket under it at the time. Um, yeah, look, plants are being brought online. Obviously, it takes a while for new plants to, to be built. But, you know, for these new plants, you need a few years worth of uranium just to get it going to start with. Um, and yeah, look, supply is just extremely low. I mean, we could see with a company like Paladin that used to be producing, I mean, to get that Langer Heinrich mm. mine up and running, it's been taking a very long time. They're looking first quarter next year. So. Mm. Um, yeah, I agree. Like all commodities, you get this sort of boom-bust. Supply comes on, and it and it you know it kills the trade. But I I think we're still a while away from seeing all that supply come online. So um, yeah, look, I think there's there's further upside from here. I don't think everyone's excited enough that I'd be selling into it. I think you can see. I mean, I you'd be I'd holding expect, rather than buying. Yeah, oh no, I'd be happy to buy it here. I think you could at least see a doubling the share price. Um, you know, looking at the way it's trading. So, yeah, look quite quite positive the sector. And as I said, I know people have started talking about it recently, but um, I think it's still still early days. Fair um, enough. Don't we love it? A buy and a sell all at once, two times today, and that's called a market. <laughs> okay, let's just sum up. And we decided to have a two stock of the day. And the first, of course, was Origin with the board rebuffing the revised deal from the Brookfield Consortium. Both my guests, both Michael and Daniel, basically saying at best the stock is a hold at this point in time. Origin is a relatively complex company to understand and it's not that easy to say that the sum of the parts um, can be or the company can be broken up easily to realize that value so a hold there now in terms of iris um, really the company is moving in the right directions yes the upgrade is great it's good to see it it's good to see the asset divestments the de-gearing but ultimately both my guests are saying the product is really not great but a lot of people and including us don't have a lot of choice there. So at best, I have a hold from Michael, a sell into strength, and for Daniel, pretty much an avoid on that one. So let's crack on with the five stocks that have been picked by you today. And we started with Fortescue Metals. And again, really interesting. So for Michael, he has a buy on this one, but a buy at $24 just feels short term. It's a bit overbought and just making the point that a lot of analysts 
have been lifting their forecasts in line with where the share price is moving and where also we have seen the iron ore prices moving. For Daniel, it's pretty much a case that he is concerned about the iron ore price going forward. There's concerns around the whole development into the clean energy space. Uh, Fortescue is very much benefiting for, with their lower grade ore into these Chinese steel makers who are basically are not making any profits at the moment. So they're buying in the lower grade and he has a sell on that one. Okay, Fiducian Group. Now, interesting, um, it is a small company. Both guests really saying illiquidity in trading is a concern, particularly for Michael, which leads him to avoid the stock. Um, but just looking at the actual uh, financials of it, Daniel goes through and is defined. It looks like a really quality company. It's been sold off the back of the markets and would just make the point um, at best it's speculative buy for him. But again, not a lot of turnover in the stock. So just be a little bit cautious. And then we move to South Cross Electrical Engineer. And uh, we have a company here that's typically been exposed services company to infrastructure or, and most like more mining in Western Australia. But they have picked up an order book of around $600 million in infrastructure. It does have a very strong balance sheet. The margins are okay. So a hold from Daniel and also um, from Michael, he'd have a hold on this one, but just wouldn't be buying into it. Okay, looking at 4D Medical. So we've had a lot of good news including uh, an agreement with Philips yesterday which has really supported the share price but just be a little bit aware that the share price has run it's too speculative for Daniel and uh, it is also in terms of um, it's it's this potential for them to have to come down to the market and have another capital raising they've just raised 40 million so uh, Michael has it on a watch list potentially should it come down and Paladin we have just been discussing um, all the different aspects of uh, looking at the uranium market. I really liked um, the comment that we haven't seen peak hype yet in the likes of uh, the uranium market. So um, for Michael, we have a buy on Paladin, whereas uh, more concerns from Daniel about obtaining exposure in this sector at this point in time. So he would probably have you be a happy seller on that one. Okay, now the call is tracking our own high conviction fund, which is picked by our investment committee. The latest episode of the committee meeting is live for you to watch at ausbiz.com. So let's check in with the portfolio update. And going into November, 1% was trimmed from MA Financial and added to Challenger. So let's see how the portfolio is performing. And so far, our fund is 10.4%. 24% on a cumulative return basis since inception on March 1st, 2022. So keep sending in your requests and keep the call switched on to see which stocks our committee will be looking at next. Which brings us to the second five stocks of the day. And we have a Bank of Queensland, Stanmore Resources, Electro, Electro Optic Systems, Temple and Webster, which was on a bit of a tear yesterday, and Lynch. So, Michael, let's turn to you. We mm. have a request on, from Roger for Bank of Queensland, ticker code BOQ. Now, this has been a bit of a sad story, Bank of Queensland. I mean, banks are up against it, but this has had quite a few yeah. challenges, hasn't it? 
Yeah, so, you know, I'm not looking to buy sad stories. Um, <laughs> it's definite sell. Uh, a definite sell. Yeah, yeah, look, I mean, it's $17 share price before the GFC. Now it's in the fives. Oh, um, wow, that's you know, grim, isn't it? We're such a small you know, country, such a small market. We've got the big four banks. I just Why do you need to be in the regionals? They just can't compete. I mean, it's, yeah, as I always say, it'd be nice if they could, but they just can't. So, um, yeah, you don't need to be there. So it doesn't matter how many dividends you've received over time. It doesn't make up for, for the, the fact yeah, for the capital loss. Mm. Um, yeah, look, I yeah, just feel sorry for those who cover. Yeah, you, occasionally you see the buy recommendation on Bank of Queensland based on valuation. But I mean, unless you're trading it short term and hoping it recovers that valuation gap momentarily, I mean, why would it? Do, yeah. do so anyway. So um, I'm giving the long-winded answer, which is yeah, you don't need to be there. It's a sell. Fair enough. Daniel? Uh, I, I would agree with that quite strongly. Uh, we've been selling out of the, um, pretty much every bank outside of the big four for at least six months now. And the reason why is because we're not really necessarily seeing a deterioration in asset quality yet. But what we are seeing is a big dispersion in funding costs. So yeah. Deposit franchises is one thing, and the big four, and specifically CBA, it's very hard to compete with them in the deposit franchise side. But not only is it about getting deposits, it's about where they're storing their money. So if they have it in cash accounts, you know, it's obviously a much cheaper source of funding than, say, term deposits, which typically, if you look at BOQ, the large portion of their um, of their deposit franchise is term deposits, which mm. means higher costs. So yeah. th- there's a lot of issues fundamentally. I mean, they have a higher portion of interest-only loans which for us is a concern. They really grew strongly um, under George Vazis during that kind of low interest rate period. So they were riding the most loans realistically when probably house prices were, were a little bit inflated. Yeah, they haven't moved much, but that means their LVRs are probably more at risk than say their peers. So there's a, there's a lot of reasons fundamentally why we don't like it. We, it deserves to trade at a discount. It always trades at a discount. And, and one thing we've seen with BAQ, which we haven't seen from the others yet, is that its dividend is probably down 20% from its peak already. Mm. So not only have you had a huge deterioration in your in your capital, but your dividends have gone from, oh, potentially they look okay, to they're already down 20%, yeah. probably gonna be down lower from there. So there's not really a point now where we see any rationale buying it. It's harsh words, but like what Michael said, I mean, you, you've gotta be pretty ruthless in your portfolio. Yeah. And, Potentially, there are opportunities out there where perhaps valuations look depressed, particularly in the small caps, but uh, we think that the depressed valuation is for a good reason with Bank of Queensland. Yeah, okay. Now, the uh, seventh stock is Stanmore Resources, and that's ticker code SMR, picked by Elisa. So about a $3.5 billion market cap, Michael, and Mm. we are talking coal. Yeah, so metallurgical coal, I mean, the share price took a bit of a battering in the first mm. half of the year. Coal prices were off. Um, Queensland royalties, that that, that oh, didn't help true. help yeah. either. But yeah, look, at the end of the day, there isn't a substitute for, um, you know, for metallurgical coal. I mean, they're working on it, but, um, you know, prices have improved a bit. Uh, this With this particular business, um, with some of the recent updates, they've they've come out and exceeded um, what a lot of people were forecasting, what a lot of analysts were forecasting in the market as well. So, yeah, really nice run up in the share price. Where it is now, I think it can still push on a bit. I don't know if I'd be buying it here. Um, again, I mean, I'm quite optimistic that, you know, in terms of the Chinese economy, yeah, it's been weaker for longer than we thought. But yeah, if that's generally the bottom, 
um, and they should be able to improve it from here as opposed to make it worse, then that would be good for these stocks. I mean, it'd be a bumpy ride along the way, but I think over the course of 2024, you could see higher share prices in this one. So don't know where the share price could go in the short term. It's banging around a bit, but I think it can you know, meander higher from here. So happy to hold. Okay. Would you consider buying it on weakness? Yeah. Okay. Got a happy holder. So, Daniel. Yeah, there's, there's not really much coverage of Stanmore at all out no. there. It wasn't really a company until it acquired BHP's uh, BMC assets. So, um, the, the, the South, Walker, South Walker Creek and, and Poitra as well, which are, are actually quite quality mines. Mm. Um, and if you thought iron ore prices were strong, you need to look at the coke and coal prices because I think they're still over 350 a ton US. So very, very strong at the moment. I think Stanmore probably produces at about 100. Mm-hmm. Um, and the good thing about Stanmore is from a reporting point of view, I think they capture you know a really large portion of the cost in the OPEX where perhaps a lot of smaller miners might try and make their OPEX as minuscule as possible mm. and, and hide it under the investing cash flow line where Stan will do a pretty good job in, in reporting there, which I like as well as an analyst. So uh, I think if you look at how much they paid for these mines, probably one and a half billion US, they've, they've paid that down within what, a year and a half? Now they're in cash, cash flow. They're, yeah, they're, and now they're in a net cash position. They've acquired those majority debt. And the good thing about having BHP as a seller is that you can use their balance sheet to fund the acquisition. We're seeing that with Whitehaven, whereby you don't need to pay significant portion of the purchase price up front. So it's much better off for them from a, a capital management and a cash flow perspective. So I think these guys are doing a really good job at the moment. That's why the share price has gone stronger. Look, every coal miner at the moment is gushing cash and trading at low valuations, probably two or three times EBD EBITDA. So it's not expensive, but it's in line with what its peers are trading at. It's hitting this point of inflection now, which resource analysts kind of call you know, the the, 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 the the real cash harvest phase, it's paid down majority of its debt. It's actually sold some of its tenements to Peabody for, for I think over a hundred million. And um, I think they actually announced a special dividend as well. So I, I would actually be a little bit more optimistic. Potentially I would buy, but only in small amounts, just small portion of the portfolio. And now the fact that this balance sheet is a lot cleaner, if it has a pullback and you're starting to see a significant drop in coal prices, it probably make me a little bit more bullish because you know, the cost profile of their mines is probably in the middle of the of the cost curve. It's no, I don't think it's bottom quartile by any means. So uh, I, would, I would have a little bit more of a positive intonation if we start to be start to see some weakness because these guys should be able to be profitable even at low coal prices. So definitely one to keep on your watch list and one that probably doesn't get spoken about much in the space. Mm, interesting. So I've sort of written um, a nibble. <laughs> like think, you can think, you can start you no, can start it, like like you know nibbling away, but if yeah, it does yeah, come yeah. down, no, an Ausbiz nibble is is a fair rating. I think you got you got to trademark that. But <laughs> a few nibbles with a henchki, yeah, and a henchki <laughs> on the side. A few nibbles with the henchki, and but we're not, not doing bigger cheese just, today, folks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if not, keep it on the watch list because I, I think there's good things happening here. Okay, let's move on to stock number eight, which is Electro Optic Systems ticker code EOS, picked by Lisa, and Lisa. Asked, does Michael stand by his spec buy position on this one? Does this stock offer good value? Well, Michael, you are in focus here. Mm. <laughs> I had to uh, had to go back to the tapes and see what it was all about. Um, I think it was in mid June. Right. Um, so look, ultimately, at the end of the day, this is a business that's not profitable, and yeah. um, I think at the time it came up in June um, as a um, as a question and, and my comments were along the lines of, look, yeah, there's nothing great about the business, but in terms of the chart, it's a spec buy, it looks like it might 
you know, we've got a recovery from here. And look, if you timed it perfectly, at one point you could have jumped out with a 50% profit. Um, I didn't trade it, I wish I did in hindsight. But <laughs> uh, look, it's just back to where it was um, yeah. in June. Um, we could see that range tightening up. So we could see since July that it's, yeah, we've got this sort of oscillation that seems to be getting smaller and smaller. And usually that precedes the next move, whether it's a break to the upside or a, or a downside break and it, and it falls. So look, I wouldn't be holding it anymore. Um, again, it was just purely a, a charting perspective. Um, the company doesn't interest me itself. Um, yeah, if you get a bit of an upside break, you've got another trade there, but I'd be on the sidelines with this one. As we could see long-term, it's not a, it's not a long-term hold. No. Daniel? Yeah, I'll probably say this is the stock on the ASX, which I think is probably the most off my radar in terms of what the <laughs> business actually does. I've just got no idea what's going on. Is it something to do with space lasers or I don't know? <laughs> no, it's technology it's to do apparently, yes. Defence and I see the word space, I'm not sure what's going on. So from, uh, and I remember following the story um, early, I think it was 2020 when it had that huge run, they were winning a lot of work. And I think the issue was obviously they, you win the work from defence agencies, you invest your own money and working capital. Ooh. To, to, to get the inventory and deliver it, but I think they had a really tough time receiving payment. Obviously, when you have, you know, when you have creditors at hand who's lend you money, you, you probably have less flexibility than if you're negotiating with a, with a defense agency. So I think that really hurt them. From then, I'm not sure what happened fundamentally with the business. I think there was some management turnover. Now, as some positive shoots coming along, if you look at the recent quarterly update, that they had a huge cash receipt, I think, from some previous work. So. You know, potentially one to see what what's going to happen here. Um, there's obviously positive tailwinds from a defence spending perspective, um, but overall, I think from my view, it's just too speculative. It's too out of our wheelhouse. We don't have an advantage when it comes to this company. I think they still have about 180 million in debt as well. Mm. So you know, their debt to market cap is effectively one to one, which is always a, a significant risk. So yeah. Um, there's something going on here with receipts and, and lasers, but I, I think we're happy to avoid it. We just don't have enough of an understanding. Okay, fair enough. Right, it's not an easy business defence, whichever way you cut the cake. The big, no. the big operators in the yeah. US, it's it's not like they don't have no. a tough time of it either. Exactly. Well, I think if you're a large player, the, the thing You've is you have relationships power. and yeah. you have yeah. that ability and you have the balance sheet to fund deliverables. Yeah. But if you're a small guy and you're getting a huge order, <laughs> It's very, very difficult. And then if you get payment delays, and we've even seen this with a company like ABA, where it had a huge delivery for the industry, uh, the Indian Ministry of Defense, it seemed like for a period, and they were just purely licensing their technology, so they had no capital risk up front. But there were some questions saying, are they going to get paid? Are they not? It was kind of getting mm. pushed out next quarter, next quarter. But eventually they did get it, but that was completely licensed. So if they had to invest the capital up front, I think it would have been a much more difficult yep. endeavor for shareholders there. But that's, it's always a risk when you're a subscale, small mm. player. Mm. Okay, let's move on to the ninth stock, which is Temple and Webster. And that's ticket code TPW, picked by Jim. Now, this was off to the races yesterday, I think mm. after their AGM. Um, they've had some amazing Black Friday sales, I think double last year. Interesting, maybe everyone's been saving up so they yeah. could go full tilt last weekend. Yeah, what happened to goods inflation? <laughs> I mean, that was supposed to be well down there. Um, yeah, look, amazing couple of days. I mean, if you bought this stock sort of in June when we had the peak retail negativity, you've done really well. In February, um, yeah, it was spent down at $3, yeah. Yeah, so, um, 
Yeah, we've had some, I think it was Harvey Norman yesterday looked at a, was it an eight point something percent decline the quarter to you know, corresponding quarter last year. Um, yeah, Temple of Webster, so financial year to date sales up 23%. So clearly just much better than anyone thought they'd be able to achieve. So the share price, I think, was up over 20% yesterday and on the way into the studio was up another 9%. Um, yeah, that then makes it difficult to buy it here, doesn't it? So it's the whole sector still, in my mind, you know, facing another uncertain 12 months. So they've done really well. Um, can it can it persist? Um, I think there's too much too many question marks there to say let's buy it here after a 30 something percent move and um, and we'll still make money on it. So yeah. look, I'd. I'd be happy to hold it here and just see if we could squeeze some more out of it, um, but I just couldn't chase it up at, at these levels. But clearly they've established themselves as, as one of the quality operators yeah. um, in this space. So, you know, if, if you were looking to buy, it'd be on the radar, um, yeah. but I think not after a move like that. Fair enough. Daniel? Yeah, the, there is a lot of interesting kind of underlying tailwinds for Temple and Webstar. I mean, they, they're growing to almost... An, Peak COVID, you know, they had a huge revenue free kick, but they're growing to a billion dollars in sales pretty quickly. Um, I think the positivity from the AGM update was more so their commentary around margins going forward. Um, you know, expectations for margins are extremely slim. Like you're talking about low single digit EBITDA margins. Um, so it's, it's, you know, the expectations weren't very high to begin with, but the stock's almost trading at, at a billion dollar valuation now. Yeah. So I think it's well more than priced in, but it probably has flown under the radar. I think a lot of people kind of disregarded it um, and perhaps rightly so, because it was a huge COVID beneficiary. But as a brand, I certainly know anecdotally, a lot more people are starting to talk about Temple of Webster. It has mm. cheap offerings. The product, it's not the highest quality, but it looks okay as well. Some, they've got some design. very expensive stuff and on there. And they do, and I think they might even have yeah. potentially some third-party distribution with you know more fancier brands yeah. as well now, rather than just purely you know, a, um, a drop shipping from, from China type of method as well. So cushions. Exactly, yeah, there's, there's, there's cushions, there's everything on there now yeah, as there well. Is. There's, I think there's candles competing with dust. Oh, I don't there's know. beds, there's, there's absolutely, yeah, there's the everything. full so kit, kit, kit. As a retailer, I think they're doing a lot of good things, but valuation doesn't stack up for me. And, and the second thing as well is if you look at their presentations, they're just so promotional around AI and chatbots and going to use GPT to, to effectively run the entire operations of their business, which, you know, you, you, you just see that and you just sigh a little bit as an investor and as an analyst, it's like, come on, you, it's let's be a little bit more realistic. I think if you look at competitors and their peers and their cost base, you know, it's actually probably higher than what they're saying they can save going forward. So I'm a little bit skeptical around that. So um, keep an eye on it, but at valuation grounds, I'd probably sell here. Okay, fair enough. Okay, now the last stock or the 10th stock today is Lynch, ticker code LGL. And this has been picked by a guy. Now, we were saying, dare I say off camera, like I think we're looking at flowers and potted plants, $200 million mm -hmm. worth of 220 market cap, yep, Michael. Yep, the best to last. <laughs> I personally love flower power, you know, for me, yeah. if that stock, if that company listed, might even be tempted, <laughs> but I'm not, I don't know about this one. So do tell. Um, yeah, look, I mean, yeah, wholesaler grow of flowers, plants, they bring it in from China. They're also selling in there as well. So it looked like, you know, a week ago they had their AGM 
Um, I'm padding out the answer. I think you know what I'm going to say about this one. But, um, you know, they had their AGM a week ago. So look, revenue up 8%, but their earnings were down. Weak demand in China. Um, you know, they've been impacted by freight costs, but, but obviously they're coming down now. So ultimately, at the end of the day, this is one of your uh, lobster pots, Danielle. I mean, 13 grand a day is the average traded volume. Mm. So you just, you know, you can get set, but then you're you're stuck in it. So mm. begs the question: um, Why? Why is it listed? <laughs> well, no, yeah. Well, why is it listed? And also, too, it's just a really, you know, structurally challenging business. I would have thought. I mean, in private hands, you know, you can you'd, probably you'd be, you know, you'd be making money and laughing, yeah. and that's great. But yeah. um, we could see here share price. So what, a dollar eighty something to two sixty. Great if you got it in that period of time and you're able to get out at the top and then you've come all the way back down to, or if you're the poor soul that bought it at 260, now you're down at mm. sort of in the 170s. So uh, look, I mean, for most people, you buy shares to go up in price and make money. But you know, if you're the type because you want to buy a business because it feels good, doesn't matter what the share price does, maybe this is for you, but um, because you know, they sell flowers. Uh, um, for Mother's Day. Yeah, again, maybe, I'm just I'm, I'm patting out the clear answer, which is just based on liquidity. Sell. You just can't. You, Avoid. You just, yeah, you just can't make an investment case for it, unfortunately. Okay. okay. Yeah, Daniel? pretty definitive view. Um, and we have been harsh today, but I think it's, it's fair because at the moment, there's a lot of commentary in the market about certain stocks having cheap valuations. And I don't think you can justify buying a company right now in valuation because valuations need to contract with yeah. a higher interest rate environment. Businesses are clearly challenged. So, you know, I don't think valuation alone, and if you look at Lynch Group, at least on a trailing basis, it looks really cheap. I think um, their current year, they're having a few other troubles. Um, I haven't looked deep enough to understand what the, the fundamental reasons why I think something in China. but. Um, you know, these guys listed in 21, which is obviously a very good uh, time for IPO. So the bankers who did the raise are very positive on this stock from a sell side point of view, as, as you'd expect. Um, to be fair, like they, they do have an integrated, okay business. I think they supply pretty much all the supermarkets. Right. So if you buy, you know, flower products from supermarkets, I think it's, you know, almost guaranteed to come from Lynch Group. Um, they have growing, growing, um, uh, flower assets in China and I think in Australia as well. So potentially you could be talking about a balance sheet or, or an NTA play. But you know, from our point of view, there's, there's probably not anything that's significantly standing out. I mean, wow. it, it looks it looks okay, but um, I, I'm just not sure. I mean, I have to go back and look at the reason why the IPO was it a sell down, was it purely a, a money grabber? I'm not I'm not sure. So you know, there's there's a lot of opportunities in the market. Um, you probably don't need to find the most complicated or complex ones. No. There's, there's other, what I would say, probably better and easier ideas to follow. Yeah, I'm just looking at some fact set numbers on FN Arena and it's actually got goodwill of 145 million mm. on its balance sheet and total debt of 100 million. I mean, that would, in my mind, be ringing a lot of, like, because if you've got so mm. much goodwill, what are the assets yeah. sitting in there? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And with agricultural assets, it's always difficult because, you know, real real price market value versus what's on the balance sheet, there's always differentials. And yeah. it, it goes both ways. If you look at Select Harvest, they had a huge balance sheet right down at their recent report. So it goes both ways. And the only thing we know for certain is that there's always risk when it comes to these companies and, and their balance sheets. So. Yeah, I think you're right there, Daniel. I think there's probably a little bit more under the hood you want to understand about that balance sheet. Yeah, so 
sell? Or yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to sell this one. I just, okay. I, I don't have enough confidence and don't know the company well enough to be considering it a buy. Sorry, folks. We're trying to be upbeat, <laughs> but there's a lot of harsh but harsh, but harsh coming out today. <laughs> Let's uh, summarise the uh, second five stocks of the day. Bank of Queensland, um, really sorry. We basically have a sell from both guests. Michael kind of summed it up. It's a bit of a sad story. And um, we are looking at a company that really has experienced um, a deterioration in terms of its dividend payout, as well as the share price performance, funding costs on the deposit side, as Daniel points out, just too high, a lot of term deposits and also a lot of loans were written when interest rates were very, very low and they're all floating rate and therefore potentially you could see those loan loss provisions moving up. So kind of cheap for a reason. So a sell from both of our guests. Now, a Stanmore Resources, a very interesting story and whilst it may not be um, a buy at this exact point in time, we're looking at metallurgy coal they did pick up BHP's assets they are a relatively uh, lowish cost producer would you say Probably Daniel? Middle, middle of the cost middle curve. but they can cope with uh, coking coal prices yeah, coming yeah. down. Cost them about 100 to produce and they're selling for probably 300. 300. So minting a lot of cash flow at the moment. Um, so Michael likes it but would be probably more a hold to a buy on weakness and uh, Daniel were just making a, a point that he would probably nibble at it. So good, good quality company generating big big cash flow there so a nibble into weakness or yes an Osby's nibble so electro optic systems yes a lot of I suppose um, it's it's not profitable there are some concerns about actually what the business is doing certainly lumpy payments coming through so they've recently had a payment from one of their contracts Daniel just up making the point that they've got 180 million dollars in debt and uh, the question was uh, to Michael that he had a buy on it back in June, just saying the share price did rally. That uh, spec buy that he had was very much based on a charting perspective. But probably now it's back to where it was and he would sit on the sidelines. So Temple and Webster, which has rallied about 30% over the last couple of days. Uh, Michael just making the point that uh, he would hold it at this point in time. Quality operator, it has surprised everybody in terms of the resilience sales up 23% and uh, Daniel just saying the valuation doesn't stack up for the company so he has a sell on that one and we've just been discussing Lynch well really unfortunately Michael it's a lobster pot um, you know freight costs are going up it's very exposed to the vagaries of the Chinese uh, flour supply market um, and for Daniel really just can't justify it at this point in time so both of them either have a avoid or a sell recommendation on that one and there we go I was going to ask a tricky question about the markets but sadly I've run out of time <laughs> so Daniel Ortiz from Lincoln Investors great to meet you great to have you here live in the studio yeah, thank very you good to be here, yeah. yeah and uh, Michael Gable Fairmont Equities great to see you thank as you. well thank you so much for coming in that's it for the show today and any stocks you'd like us to cover go to osbiz.co forward slash call picks or tweet us at Ausbiz. Okay, now don't go away because the pulse is coming up after the break.